Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your Hey, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. We are continuing in Matthew chapter 21. Yes, we are. We have triumphantly entered. Yep, it's exciting. And now Jesus is going to make a bit of a scene. Yeah, he's going to take his entourage on up through the gates of Jerusalem and to the Temple Mount, we read. Yeah. So I've got this in the New King James Version. We're going to pick up a reading in Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. Am I correct in saying that when we piece together the gospels and try to harmonize that this is actually a second time that Jesus has done this cleansing of the temple, that he that the John 2 yeah. cleansing is actually a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I believe you're right. I think when you harmonize the Gospel of John with the synoptics, what you find is really at the beginning of his ministry, maybe one of the first times he goes to Jerusalem as a preacher, right? He cleanses the temple. So his ministry has a bit, um, what do we call it, an inclusio? (laughs) Yeah, a bookend. We started at the temple, we ended at the temple. And both times he's cleaning it out. He has to clean it out. Which actually kind of reminds me of some of the other things we've studied recently, not here on the podcast. When you walk through Ezra and Nehemiah, the number of times that they have to clean things out. Yeah. The number of times, over and over again, you know, okay, we've made a correction, we've made a change, we've we built the temple. We've cleaned the temple. We've we've dealt with these unlawful marriages. And then it's, well, it's just a couple years later, and we're doing it again. Well, I think about people who have a business, and they're making a living, and there's a disturbance on one day. How long are you going to let that mess up your business? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know. That's exactly right. And, and there were some businesses going on. We find out that um, th- those running the temple insisted upon a particular currency for alms to be paid, and so there were money changers. Um, that some of these pilgrims came so far, maybe they wouldn't have exactly the right livestock to sacrifice, and so they'd be purchasing kind of the pre-qualified, if you will, the, the pre-accepted sacrificial animals. Um, and the people providing that, money changing, different animals, etc. well, they're going to get their cut. There's well, money there. There's some of this that I think is not unlawful. I think there's some, okay, let me say this so that it's more clearly. There's some of this that I think would be lawful. I think it would be good to have this opportunity for folks who are traveling. Look, yeah. you, you know what? The chances of you being able to bring your animal from there to here without it getting injured, right? this is going to be tough. That's going to be tough. And so, so we've got a preparation for you, but they've clearly taken this to a level beyond 
what yes. would be lawful, what would be acceptable. It's one of those places that demonstrates, and I, I often hate to use this idea, but it is one that we have to be careful of, the slippery slope. Yeah. I, I can get involved in something that's lawful, but if I'm not careful, I push it and and move it into unlawful category, justifying every step along the way mm-hmm. because I know there is one that is justified at a certain level. That doesn't mean I get rid of what's lawful to protect right. from the unlawful. Right. It just means that I take care. Yeah. Let's keep it to the level that is lawful and authorized yeah. and then move beyond that. And appropriate. Let me ask you this. Does Do it, you, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you this. You ask me. You ask me. <laughs> I, I asked ask the last one. Yeah. So uh, there's a biblical justification for this. All right. Jesus is going to call out scripture. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Do you see in here a shift of purpose to go along with the slippery slope that you're talking about? All of a sudden, for some of them, maybe the ones running in the show, it really wasn't about prayer anymore and trying to help those things. Yeah. It really was about, you know, fleecing the pilgrims or making money, greed, filthy lucre. Yeah, merchandising, merchandising, merchandising the religion of the Lord, boy. And when I say it like that, I get a little bit concerned about modern Christendom. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of it that's merchandised. There is big business in in a lot of ways. I don't think it's certainly, obviously, I don't think it's wrong, say, to write a book and to sell a book or to conduct a seminar and to charge an entry fee. I don't, I don't think that there's anything that's wrong about that workers worthy of his hire yeah but man when you look around and we've got at uh, barnes and noble the other day i saw the bobblehead jesus boo okay and i i mean i guess i don't want to necessarily call certain things out because i'm i don't want to but man when you get to the point of testaments uh, is is there a place where it is merchandising? Now, how are you supposed to be light to the world with bad breath? <laughs> I, I don't you gotta, know. I, gotta, I, I don't, I don't want to call that out necessarily <laughs> as a sin or a violation, but there comes a point at which I think, okay, well, are, we mer- are we making merchandise of the gospel? Yes. Yes, right? So I'm I'm trying to think out for a moment because I wasn't necessarily thinking about having this conversation right now, but I think it's worthy. Um, you know, when, when the whole thing is pitched and you know that you have a ready-made target market yeah. of self-professing Christians, and what would be the perfect product to get a bunch of those to buy, yeah. right? And that's merchandising. That's right? merchandising. That's commercializing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Again, slippery slope. There's the part that I think is lawful. Again, I mean, look, the worker is worthy of his hire. If you if you produce something, um, so, okay. Yeah. Look, it costs money to bind it books does. and make books. Yeah. I get yeah. it. And there's nothing wrong with the person who did all of that making a living sure, off of sure. that. But boy, at some point. And then there comes the time, and I, I read this recently. I read the book Total Truth by Nancy Percy, and her thesis is the idea of those who claim to be Christians not actually allowing the Christian worldview to affect anything beyond what's happening for them inside their church buildings. So mm. they don't they don't allow it to affect their job too much or their home or their schooling. And so when they get to the job, it's like God gets shoved to the side, yeah. which allows for 
And, and we hear about this recently among famous celebrity preachers. Yeah. Plagiarizing. Oh, yeah. Uh, this mm-hmm. business of, I'm not actually the one who wrote this book, but we're going to put my name Because on. my name sells books. Because my name sells books. We have yeah. a target mo- market. Right. We know how platforming works. And this big name will sell books. And mm-hmm. uh, and he says some of these things, or she says some of these things. But actually, we, we went and... It's actually this ghostwriter we hired. Right. And I know there's various levels of that. I, yeah. I know there's various levels of the ghostwriting and the partnering that happens, but sometimes it's this guy wrote the book, that guy's name gets put on it. That's exactly right. You know, it's not to always sell. we work together yeah. and you know how to write and you yeah. corrected my grammar. Right. Uh, it's it's not always that. But again, what's happening? We're making merchandise. Yeah. We're merchandising. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I don't... I'm not for that. You're, you know, that's not the direction I expected our conversation to go either, because there's a sentence in this whole account sure. that this week, as we've been studying this and reading this and rereading this, jumped out to me. Well, one jumped out at me too. Let's do yours first. Get okay. it in there. All right. We're going to do mine first. And that was that, that I had never really picked up on, and I don't think any of the other gospels make mention of this, but in verse 14, after he has clean, cleansed the temple... And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I think I've pretty much just kind of read right over that sentence Mm. Mm -hmm. for really all of my life. But I go back to Isaiah 56, and I notice, and this is where the statement about uh, house of prayer comes from. In Isaiah 56 and verse 6, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Mm -hmm. The Lord God, here it is, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. I I think this is fascinating because as Jesus cleanses the temple and says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, calling to mind this Isaiah prophecy, he then turns around and enacts the rest of this statement of prophecy, that the outcasts will be drawn to him. So he has cast out yeah. the people who were acceptable among the Jews, who are making their profits, who are merchandising. Yes, yes. He cast them out, and then he brings in those who had been outcast, which, yeah. by the way, sets up this picture that says, when you have people making merchandise of God and his religion, it actually keeps out the people who are supposed to be invited in. Well. I just let me dovetail on that. You know, we said a moment ago, or yesterday, yesterday's program, we were reading out the Psalms about how Psalm 118 ended with the talk about of the sacrifice coming, the acceptable sacrifice. You know what's not acceptable sacrifices? The lame and the blind. Those can't be brought to God. Mm. But now lame and blind people have come to the temple of all places, and the Lord has healed them and made them whole. Oh, very made good. Made them right before very God. Very good. I hadn't even made that connection. All right, what was your statement that stood out? My statement was, here's the children again. We've been seeing how Matthew has been bringing up children in his accounting, right? And uh, Jesus has been using them as these examples of humility and what the people of the kingdom are. He has to keep correcting his disciples. Stop discouraging the children. Bring the children. Now, the disciples are not the ones objecting, right, in here. But look who is objecting. Why, it's these chief priests, and they're upset at the words of the children. 
And again, Jesus is lifting up the children as the good example, another fulfillment of prophecy out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Which is from Psalm 8. Mm. You know, it's interesting because a couple of times uh, we've used that phrase, the fulfillment of prophecy, but the passage that we're referring to, we wouldn't have, I don't think would normally make it on our list of this is a prophecy, but it's another reminder as we've been in Matthew that our perspective of prophecy is often too limited. Well, that was something that I really gained out of our time in the Psalms when we were going through that season in text talk, just how prophetic, just how incorporated in the New Testament and apostolic preaching is the book of Psalms. And we want to call that poetry or wisdom literature. But if it's scripture and that's in that Old Testament, that's fair game for God to draw from in presenting his plan. Yeah. So Psalm 8, when it makes this comment of out of the mouths of babes and infants, it's not actually one of those like Nostradamus type prophecies of one one day in the ministry of Jesus, there's going to be a time when children say things, that's what this psalm is about. Mm -hmm. But it's that idea, again, that Jesus fulfills not just these kind of straight-line event foretelling prophecies. Like there's an actual donkey he rides. Right, like that one, where he did. Yeah, that was yesterday, yeah. But it's it's that idea of he is just fulfilling the scriptures. Mm -hmm. His life, the things that happen around him, they are, look, it's just, it's showing the scriptures again and again and again. How surprised are we that, I think this is what Jesus is saying, how surprised are we or should we be when children are getting this part of it right because God always said, you know, out of the mouths of babes and infants, I bring about praise. Mm, mm. To still the enemy and the avenger, by the way. And so what is, what is Jesus saying about these people who are trying to quiet the kids? They're the enemies, aren't they? They're the foes. They are. They are the foes. And by, and by the time this week is over, they will really show that. Yeah, they will. Yeah. Well, I think we need to go ahead and wrap up for the day. Uh, appreciate everyone who is listening. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org, or you can get on our Facebook group. You can make some comments. We'd love to hear from you what you're learning from Matthew and from Jesus in these texts. Let's go ahead and have a prayer. Holy God, we praise you. Hosanna. Save us, we pray. Deliver us. We would ask for success in your kingdom, victory for your kingdom. And we know that Jesus is moving into the darkest time of his ministry, and yet that paves the way for the brightest moment. And we are so thankful that you were willing to offer this sacrifice. Lord, we offer you our allegiance, and we are so thankful to be a part of your kingdom. Blessed is the one who has come in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. 
Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna! Christ is captain of the mighty throne.